Welcome back, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Georgia Music Teachers Association podcast. My name is Bebe Lin, Vice President of Membership with GMTA. We're back for another interesting conversation with a Georgia music teacher today that I'm really looking forward to. Before we get to that conversation, I just want to encourage all of you to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues who might be interested. And if you can take the time to leave a review, that really helps to boost the show and in turn helps others to find it. And now without further delay, let's get to today's conversation. We are joined by Kyung Ah Yu. Hello, Kyung Ah. Hello, how are you? Good, good. Tell me about what you do and how you got to where you are today. Um, I'm an associate professor of collaborative piano at Townsend School of Music of Mercer University in Macon, Georgia. And I just started teaching this semester. So I'm very new to Macon area and I'm happy to be joining the GMTA and well, I did my DMA in collaborative piano in New York, Manhattan School of Music. That's where I studied my experience and learning and working as a freelancer. So I stayed in New York for 16 years and I was a vocal coach and step pianist at my school where I got my DMA. And also I, some point to make my living I play for three different courses, Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday nights. So I have a lot of chorus accompanying experience. And also I work for Joy and Singing, New Tribe Foundation, Korean Foundation. Those are nonprofit organizations who supports emerging artists in New York. So I play their, play for their recitals and competitions and sometimes master classes. So I have various experience while I was staying in New York. And then I, my first job, full-time job was at IU, Indiana University. I worked there for two years as a, assistant professor of collaborative piano. It was a visiting position. So I knew I had to find another one right after I finished a two-year residency there. I had a great experience there. It was my first full-time job. So it was very tough. I worked very much. I remember worked every day, almost 10 to 12 hours. <laughs> it's 1,500 music major students in that school. It's a big school. So I had a lot of, to, a lot of things to do there. So anyway, after two years, I moved to Oberlin Conservatory. And meanwhile, I, my, one of my friends who worked at Rice University called me and said, hey, we have a full-time opening. Would you like to apply for that position? So I moved to Rice University and I worked there as an artist collaborator. It's another kind of fancy name for collective pianist. I play for guest artists and for students lessons and recording all these musical activities with the students uh, and also coach the students. So we called it artist collaborator and I worked there for nine years. And then Mercer job came and I just got this job not just past year and I moved in like um, less than five months ago. So it's been a long journey, but through that, I learned a lot. I failed many times. But that taught me a lot. Also, I got stronger and 
I got more confidence with what I do, and I'm happy to be in Macon. Right. Well, um, I just want to welcome you to Georgia, and I'm sure that we will have opportunities to hear you play, and we're really looking forward to that. I wonder if you can back up even more to the beginning of your story. One, how did you get started in music? Did you start with piano lessons at a young age? And then two, um, as you work your way through your story, how did you end up in collaborative piano? Right, that's a really important and interesting question. So, like a typical Asian girl, my mom asked me to, you know, take a piano lesson when I was a seven. So that wasn't so early. I mean, seven years. I'm, I know all of my colleagues and friends. They studied even earlier, like three and four. So I studied seven. So I was slightly older than anybody else, and I liked it, and I kept practice. And my mom never forced me to practice. I enjoy practicing and I improved quickly. I loved it. And ever since I started playing piano, I guess my main interest in my life was something to do with music. And I kept playing piano. I went to uh, art school for um, middle school and high school for six years. And then I enter, of course, music school in Korea. I came from South Korea. And when I finished my bachelor, I kind of got stuck. I wanted to explore some new environment and new ideas. And I thought I had a lot of ideas in my country, like local ideas. I wanted to get some new perspective and ideas. So I decided to come to US and study here. So I got my master's. And it was a piano performance. Then I took accompanying class as a, one of my like elective course. And the, the teacher happened to be my major teacher, Leon Palmers. He was a Polish pianist who worked with um, um, Milstein's, those famous violinists when he was younger. And he was a great collective pianist. Back then, we called it accompanist. We didn't call it collective pianist. It came much later. Anyway, I started to like it a lot. The reason I liked it so much was when I was practicing my solo pieces, I always feel a little bit lonely. As I was practicing by myself. There was nobody. It's all up to me, up to my motivation and goals and you know determination and endurance. And then sometimes I felt like I wish... There's someone I could talk to. But uh, ever since I started to work with other people, I, I really enjoy having someone to have a discussions and making decisions about musical ideas. And there's sometimes a conflict and disagreement, but we find a way to make the best out of the situation. And actually on the stage, sometimes it turned out to be much better or sometimes for some reasons, it doesn't come out as well as we intended or practiced. And that's all kind of nature of uh, accompanying and collaborating and ensemble. And it's uh, so much of mirror of my own life because life you plan and you try hard and you do your best, but the outcome is you never know. You could only you know, hope for the best, but sometimes just you fail and you learn from that own failure. And I just found it is so much like our daily life. 
and it was just so natural and kind of pure in a sense and i loved being with someone on the stage sharing it and even with those conflict i enjoyed finding a way to solve the problem and i enjoyed it so i guess that's how i become a collaborative pianist and when i finished my um, masters in piano performance i was working as a piano instructor in local school in queens new york and I thought about my future. And then if I audition as a collective uh, piano, if I get into school, maybe I will continue. If not, I will just do my own. So I just, as an experiment, I took an audition without any uh, lessons mm. and I got in and I got some scholarship in Manhattan School. So that's how I started to get into this field first beginning there were a lot to learn and I didn't know any basics mm -hmm. much about collaborative piano so it was rough but by finding way to get out of my basic fundamental I became wiser mm -hmm. and musically more mature and I think I become a, like I said like stronger person so that's how I become a collective pianist. Can you break down for me and for our listeners, what are some struggles with a solo pianist going into the collaborative world? Because we might think that, oh, you are already a high caliber pianist. And so mm -hmm. going from one side to the other should be an easy transition. But you're making it sound like there were some challenges in there. Oh, it's, it's yes, the basic music. Every type of playing instrument is uh, basically same idea. It's all classical music. We just happen to use a different instrument. For solo piano and collective piano, we both use a piano as a tool to express our idea and sounding and color and all these things. But in a solo piano, you are the only one who decide a whole idea and big structure of your message and pacing and phrasing, all these musical elements, it's all up to you to decide because you are the boss. You are the only person who are in charge of making this happen and convey to audiences. Where collective pianist, you have a, your score, the music from the composer, and you learn your part and other parts. So then see how we fit into each other like your own idea and also composer's idea. Of course, you have to think about this when you deal with their solo pieces, but when you do the collective piano work, it's more obvious because we have to really play in a style of the genre, like a classical, romantic. Every period has a kind of different colors and balance, balance idea and all these things in, like changes time to time. Where solo, there are more room could be yourself. I don't know if I'm explaining right. So me and composers and work, and there's your partner, there's a third person involved, then it's become more complicated. Mm -hmm. And to make one completed work to express to audience, there are a lot of steps you have to go through. Of course, you have to be very confident as a pianist. Mm -hmm. You have to be very um, free to play your own part. 
But then top of that, you have to be able to hear your partner's part and then put it in your part and hear that as a one work. It's a very different type of listening. Mm. And then when you listen to that, you ha- also have to hear it on the stage, a big space and see if you will carry a really good blending sound and balance to the person in really far out there. Mm. Where solo piano, you could kind of control your own dynamic range. I mean, everybody has a different forte, for instance. Mm-hmm. So if it's a forte within your own dynamic range, you could express piano. But I have my own range and my partner's a different range. And if we have a different concept of the dynamic on certain passage, we have to kind of agree on certain mm-hmm. medium. And then I have to see if that works for audiences. So mm-hmm. that's a lot of thinking process and experimental stage involved. And sometimes you get <laughs> you get disagreement with your partner. So that takes it like more time and gets on sometimes unpleasant, but you have to make it work. Mm-hmm. So you have to be very flexible, also open-minded. If you are just set with your own idea, it's really hard to become a collective pianist. You have to be able to do your best in any circumstance with anyone in any time or any space with any type of piano you are dealing with. So the thinking, music is the same, but then how you make it as a final product is a very different steps. So. That steps I never had to do when I did my solo. And when you just start to doing it, you're already busy with your own self. And then you have to think about other and music and then the acoustics, all these like different ideas I never had to worry about too much. Now it's really all matters and important. Mm -hmm. So I was like, (laughs) I was... (laughs) Uh, let's say I cried a lot from sometimes rehearsal and sometimes really egoistic partners and not everybody is very flexible and um, once you get into some some individuals who are very set with their own idea really hard to break that so you either take that idea and go with it or you just say bye and find someone else or my case, I always try to find a way to collaborate my own thing, top of whoever the partner's idea is, mm-hmm. in a, my own way to make it most blended and charming and beautiful way. That takes a lot of time and rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Who are some of your musical heroes and why? There are many music teachers and musicians that I worked with and encountered that uh, inspired me. So one person just comes into my mind right now. His name is Paul Cantor. He's a violin teacher, violin professor at Rice University that I worked for nine years. And I play for his lessons a lot. He is the most generous and kind person 
also he has the most beautiful way of explaining verbally without pushing student or be aggressive and like demanding like a typical old style teacher. He, he is very good at explaining and open student mind for every uh, different concept and idea. And I learn a lot from him. And I, whenever I coach violinists or other uh, instrumentalists, I find myself copying a lot of his words. <laughs> Not that I tried, but it just came into my mind and it just in, engraved, engraved in my mind. And I use it a lot. He says, there's always enough time to express things. So don't rush. That's the best biggest thing he always tells because young musicians when they're in the music in the middle of making music they tend to to be caught up with their own ideas sometimes rush so the rushiness is the most common thing for the young musicians and he said you have a time say everything and then move on to next thing and that was one of the things he, he mentioned in his lesson, and I use it a lot, almost in every time whenever uh, I work with young musicians. Hmm. Yeah. What are some challenges you have encountered as a musician? Especially as a collective pianist, you we have to play for audiences. Sometimes I have to play for my instrumentalist before I... I'm hired by this person. Because when I was a freelancer, someone will hire me for their recital. Yeah. Or if I'm step pianist, I play for students in their lessons or master classes. There will be always, of course, general audiences, but also um, professional musicians listening to me playing. So it's like, it's challenging. And that's, that motivates me to work harder. But also at the same time, I, I get very sensitive with uh, criticism. Mm -hmm. And I am very crit critical to myself. So sometimes those criticism makes me down and feel make me feel like I'm a small. And especially when I'm tired or if the rehearsal doesn't go well, or if I feel like I didn't play well in the recital, then I started to criticize myself. Oh, why I did this? And why didn't I do this as I practiced? All these like negative ideas comes in every night and it just bothers me. And if if just like accumulated a few days, then I feel a little depressed. So it was like a bad cycle, negative cycles. Mm -hmm. And then after a while I become okay. And then I work on it. And then if there's something similar things that happens, then I, I start on other negative cycles. So then I was like, I was tired of being down by my own criticism. <laughs> so then I was like, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't harm anyone. I was just trying my best to make something like some musical message and maybe didn't work as I intended. Mm -hmm. It's okay. So uh, it took me a long time to accept that I'm not perfect and I can make mistake and I'll have another time. Even with the same piece, when I play with a different person or a different day, I'll be better. Mm 
So then I started to become more, of course, pandemic helped me to be more generous with myself because I'm still alive. That's very important thing. I'm healthy so that I could play piano. That's great. So then I decided to control my own criticism and just accept who I am and move on. And that took me some years, several years. I still struggle sometimes, but it's getting better. So I guess a self-criticism and depression for any musician who performs a lot, that will be the biggest challenge, I think. Yeah, that is interesting. You know, so many, so many musicians and performing artists suffer from performance anxiety, and perhaps right. of that is the the inner voice, the negative self criticism right. that comes. What do you do to either counter that or turn it off? Because you know, it, it's one thing to say that we want to stop an action, but it's another thing to say we want to stop a thought. Mm-hmm. You know, how can we stop something from entering our mind? It just enters without us inviting it. So one of my uh, physical therapists, she became my friend and she told me, Kyung, you're so great. You're wonderful. I said, well, you say so because you're my friend. No, I listen to your recordings and video. You play so wonderfully. And then he, she said, if you start to negative thinking, your muscles and body already produce some negative hormones, negative ideas. It's all psychological. And your, your muscles and all these joints will be, become stiff. So it wouldn't help you anyway. So instead of start to thinking negative, what if I make mistakes? What if it doesn't go well as I practice? You know, those things, ideas. She said, before you go out to play, why don't you think, hey, I'm great and this performance will be my one of my best or not, then it will be one of those better ones. Mm-hmm. So I started to think right before I got, get out of the door, I would say, tonight, is, this will be one of my better ones or even best ones, one of the best ones. I really think positively. And then I always tell myself, I know there might be few little things here and there, and maybe my partner might not be the best day for them. But whatever happens in the situation, I will only think about music and I will just follow with music and concentrate. That's all I could do and rest of it, it's not up to me. Even if I play best, if my partner doesn't play well, the whole thing as a output isn't, isn't gonna be good. So there's no way I could control everything, right? So then I said, I will just do my best and I will leave it up to whoever there. Mm-hmm. And I tried a couple of times and whenever there comes, the idea comes, no, I, I'm just one bar by one, by mm-hmm. bar, measure by measure and page by page. I'm just gonna continue and focus of my music, not about my mistakes and then it worked and really you could try to like when you say it it somehow worked for your brain and your body become more relaxed and it's you breathe deeper mm. where I used to be like oh, I breathe high because I am anxious I am anxious to play everything right and then my shoulder will go up and it's not a good feeling 
or when you go down and you will be fine, I'm fine, whatever happens, and then it becomes more low and sound get better. I had a better, deeper sound and everything gets better after that. So I decided just not think about negative things. Mm -hmm. Wow, great. How do you approach teaching? What is your teaching philosophy? Whenever I teach someone or help someone or coach someone, I always thought I need to understand this A person because everybody's different. They have a different background when they studied their music and either female or male or outgoing personality or inner inner words. So it's everybody's different and I cannot approach to the one kind of method. And I thought I'm not making products in a factory. It's a person I'm dealing with a human being. So then I thought I like to make every product student as my handmade. It's not going to be same, but it's every, every product that I made will have their own unique uh, beauty in it even if it's not perfect, because nobody's perfect, we all know that. And I try to just understand and then go to whatever works best for that individual. So that's my principle. So I don't have any set method, but being flexible and understand the person first to find any way to help them or educate them. This is closely related to the teaching philosophy question, but do you have any motivational strategies that seem to be effective in encouraging students to continue their musical studies and be diligent in practicing? Right. So since I wasn't always the top of my class, I was good student, but I was never top and like brilliant ones. So I always had to work hard to where I got So me talking about my own experience and my failure and how I became better each year, I think that speaks a big volume for the students. I mean, at Mercer, we're not, it's not Juilliard, let's say, it's not Curtis. There are some good talented ones, but I have to also help some uh, moderately talented students. And I was one of them myself. And I was uh, diligent enough and passionate enough to work hard to make where I'm at right now. It took me a long time, but I never regret how much time I spent to improve my technique and learn the repertoire and getting experience. So I'm very open-minded and tell them my failure stories. I have like tons of failure stories where <laughs> I miss things and someone teacher when I play for voice lesson and it was very difficult side reading, but I couldn't read perfectly. And then teacher told me, oh, well, I don't have time to time for you to learn the piece. I, I could play. So she asked me to leave. So <laughs> those kick out stories. And when, when it happened, it was really embarrassing and sad. And of course I cried, I felt so terrible. But then now when I think back, it's all made me today. So I try to just tell them honestly how I experience, how I become where I'm now. And usually they really receive and accept it 
and with a kind of motivation. And then if she could do that, if she could become professor, why not me? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's always I said, if I did it, everybody could do it. You could do it. Mm-hmm. You just need to decide and work on it like I did. So I try to relate my own experience with the students. That's my uh, strategy. Mm-hmm. And it worked really well. And they work hard and come back with, I still remember what you told me the other day. They told me a lot of the, how they enjoyed my stories because it's true story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What are your plans for the near future for the next two to five years? Um, since this is my first year, um, I'm still learning how school works and all the curriculums and courses I want to make or how to develop all these basic things in school. And once I learn everything and familiar with the system at Mercer, I, I like to um, improve and bigger, make it bigger my program. Right now, we have around 90 to 100 music majors in uh, Townsend School of Music. And of course, collective piano is a very small department right now. But me with my colleague, Tim McRainers, He's a vocal collective piano professor. I'm an instrumental collective pianist. So we, both of us could kind of provide a very intense, intense and also small and family-like, very good learning atmosphere for the students. So with that, I like to make it bigger and get more students and eventually they get a good uh, experience and learning um, period with me so that I could help them to ready to go out of word and work as a collective pianist mm-hmm. and make their own income mm-hmm. to make their end. Yeah. Yeah. Pardon my ignorance, but does Mercer have a master's degree in collaborative piano? Is that yes, they yes, but it's ma- mostly undergraduate uh, focused school. It's really strong undergrad. We have a very small graduate program. So like you said, yeah, I, I like to make it bigger for the graduate program. And is there a doctoral program there? There's no doctor program here. Yeah. Okay. Great. Thank you for that. This is our very last question. What advice would you give to young pre-collegiate musicians about a life with music? It's, I'll be honest and, um, Music, music and musician life is not the most easiest, easiest way to live. We all know uh, with a degree, sometimes it's really hard to find a full-time job. And even some parents comes to me or some random people come to me. What do you do? And I said, I am pianist. And they say, oh, what do you do for a living? <laughs> They don't consider musicians as a, a professional way to make a living. So then they say, what, do you, what does your husband do? Oh, he's an engineer. Oh, he's the real thing. <laughs> that's what they say. <laughs> so that's like a, those notion, practical notion for a musician's life. Yes, it's because there's no guarantee. It's very tough, competitive takes a lot of time and preparation and effort and struggle and uh, support from family. 
and your own control and focus, it's all very difficult to maintain whole, like your whole life like that. So it's not easy. So I'll just tell them honestly what it means like living as a musician. And if you still want to pursue your a career as a musician, then go for it because you love it. Then you should do it. But then be ready to be struggleful and sometimes living in very poor condition. And if that's all okay, you will find a way to go through and get there and become an independent individual who plays instrument and make music and also make your living with your own music. Mm. That's my, it's a tough, but it's a beautiful. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Kyunga, this has been a really enjoyable conversation. I've enjoyed listening to your stories, hearing your passion about music, about collaborative playing, and about teaching. Um, I've really also enjoyed the honesty with which you speak with. So thank you for that. Thank you for your time. I, I wish you the best as you start this new semester. And again, I extend a warm welcome to you um, on behalf of other Georgians. Thank you for coming to our wonderful state. I wish you happy teaching and happy students. <laughs>